All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree, and a Hill. I'm your host, Jared Waters, and we are on part two of Behind the Lights with my dear friend, Ms. Jenny Von Dorn. In the beginning, we talked about how she got into the business and her upbringing, moving around. We talked about Mother Hubbard, the importance of her life, and now we have just met her lovely boyfriend, Mr. JT. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. I'm going to pause real quick so you can meet my boyfriend. Hey, oh, what up? JT. JT, how are you, sir? Nice mustache. Thank wow. you. I like your beard, too. You. <laughs> I might want to cut, cut mine and just do it like that, like the Mario style. How are you, sir? <laughs> Good. Are you from Texas, too? Yes, sir. Oh, freak, man. We got to get into how you meet. Yeah, man, that's great. JT. Houstonian. You're Estonian. Or a Houstonian, like from Houston? Oh, <laughs> I was like, what country is that? I was like, Houstonian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Where straight from now? Houston. Straight from Houston. So straight boys in blue, Paul Wall, everybody else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Swisher House. H-Town, yeah. Straight Houston. I'm, in, I'm in New York City. Okay, cool. I'm right here in upper Manhattan. I'm like in Harlem. That's where I live. Living the dream. Straight pandemic. Dang, Houston, well, how did you get, dang, I'm about to, I'm about to start interviewing, like, how did you get to Odessa from Houston? Uh, just, uh, Odessa's kind of just like the oil and gas hub in Texas, so. Oh, freak. So he went to school, um, he has a bachelor's in, um, petroleum engineering and a master's in geology, so he's a geologist for an oil and gas company here. Oh, freak geologist. I remember my geology, he used to taste rocks and tell us if it was slate or a, what is it, a slate rock in a different sedimentated, yeah, I didn't really, I, I passed yeah, geology. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like salt. Uh, dang, freak, man, that's dope, man. Yeah. How did you meet, well, freak, I'm gonna guess, I, I'm gonna guess, I guess we gotta get it now. That's gonna be an interesting story, how you guys met. We met on Bumble. Oh. Yeah, so. Um, it means you had to be the wolf. You had to reach out. You got to be Nala. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel, yeah. I, I feel like that was like what I was just most, yeah. most comfortable with. Like being, I don't even know how, what would you say? Like for every one lady, there's probably like five guys here. Oh, that part more, of it. It's like In Midland, Odessa. Like oh, it's dude heavy. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, very dude-heavy. And so all of my friends in Midland would, literally any guy that was single, they would try to set me up with. And I'm like, I'm not here to date anybody who's single. <laughs> I would want, a, like, at this time, you know, as um, late 20s, I'm like, I want to be in a relationship, not, like, a just date. So, oh, y'all just met? How long y'all been dating? Um, a year and a half. Oh, then yeah. Oh, freak. It's different when you date when you're older. When you're older, it's a whole lot more serious. You know what I mean? Yeah. You date yeah. in your young 20s. Time is there. But when you're late in yeah. your late 20s, it's like being in the hyperbolic time chamber in Dragon Ball Z. Every time is double. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time to mess around anymore. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, Texas Hold'em. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, man, pleasure me. If you guys come to New York, man, come visit us, man. My lady, she makes some mean empanadas, so if you guys want some, you can get really? some. Really? I tried making empanadas. Did not work out. 
She she can cook her ass off, man. So she She's does. Gonna have to show me how to make them. She'll do it, man. She'll do it. I'm just in there watching. I tried to, but frick, I suck too, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll let y'all get to it. I'm gonna watch Dude. Oh, thank you. Wow. Ooh, I, man, I gotta get to that stuff. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this so we get to meet him. That's an interesting story. Yeah. So it's it was really fun and just exciting and um. I know they how they always say like you just date until you meet the one. You know what I mean? Hold on, hold on. Like, Let's like hold on. I have a whole segment about JT now, man. I think on the fly. I got a whole <laughs> segment. I got a, I got a whole segment. What we're gonna do is this because now we're now we're into the second half. This podcast is sponsored to you by Frontline Roof and Front Loop. And, <laughs> these are guys that paid me. I messed it up. This podcast is sponsored. Spon- <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Frontline Roofing and Restoration. If you got a roof and it needs fixed, hit up Frontline Roofing. All right, we're at part two of the Jenny Van Doren story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right now, she just met Mother Teresa, and Mother Teresa has been mentoring her in uh, New Mexico. So, so after that, so I got a question. What's it like when you bring your old friends to college? Have you ever had that situation where you had to merge friends? How does that yeah. be? Well, Desiree actually came and stayed with me um, her first spring break freshman year. And that was so much fun because I was not on spring break, but it was funny because I would just, she's like, no, don't skip class. You know, Desiree, like, don't skip class, <laughs> just hang out <laughs> with me. And I'd like come home and she's like, I thought you're, you had class till like 11. And I was like, yeah, I just told them I had a stomach ache. And she's like, what? So, like, I'd rather hang out with you. I can miss a day of school. So that was so much fun because she was in um, and did the ROTC corpse throughout college at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is what you're missing out on <laughs> like, at college. And she's like, you guys are just, like, unreal because I think we had, like, a we had like two theme parties and we went to fraternity parties. So, and I was living in the sorority house at the time. So she got to like live in my sorority house with me and it, yeah, we just had a blast. So there, and then Alora also came to visit often because she went to Pepperdine and would drive from Pepperdine to Houston and I-10 goes through Las Cruces, so she would always, like, stay a night or two with me. So it was really nice because um, my college friends are, like, have relationships with, like, some of my um, elementary, middle, high school friends. That's Dakota amazing. Friends. That is freaking amazing. It's crazy how, how different worlds cross paths. You're the one that brings these different worlds together. Yes. Now your friends are like, yeah, I know a soldier. What? Yeah, I met one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then did you know Spencer Templeton? Yes, I did. Yes, I do know little Spence. So Spencer, randomly, I like still do not know how this happened. Like such a small world. So Spencer, one of his like cousins and him and his cousin are best friends. His cousin is from El Paso, Texas and decided to go to New Mexico State because there's this thing called the Western Undergraduate Exchange. Mm-hmm. where um, they'll give you in-state tuition in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas 
at certain universities. And so that New Mexico has that relationship. And so he was going to um, New Mexico State. So Spencer was like, okay, I'll give New Mexico State a try. And so his family randomly also like moved to Wichita. So his like mom got stationed at McConnell. So he like finished up school in Wichita, moved to Las Cruces to go to school, to go to college with his cousin. And he um, saw me one day in the student union and he said, hey, and like by this time, Spencer is a grown man. And I had not seen him since middle school, like short, bean-headed kid, scrawny. And then this like big guy with like, muscles and tall and I was like hey Jenny and I like looked at him and I was like hi do I know you and he's like yeah and he's all Jenny Van Dorn right and I was like yes like still not getting it and he's all I'm Spencer Templeton and I was like oh my god like just could not believe it Spencer so. ran up on me in in Germany and yes, I didn't know yeah, who it yeah. was because he was he used to be so small. So this boy, this guy's like, What's up? What up, man? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what up? And I don't know who he is. He has yeah. a beard. That's what he goes, money. And I was like, who the freak is this guy? And then I look at him and he's like, Spencer, Spencer. I said, Oh, he looked like Chris Tucker a little bit. I was like, Yeah, freak. You see that, yeah. He had his pencil beard and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's like that. RJ, RJ. So RJ was in town. Yes. I yeah. found RJ. And I wrote him, I left this long voicemail and I was like, RJ, I just want to let you know you're a horrible friend. I know good and well you live inside my city. And if you don't call me back, I think I said, if you don't call me back, I'm going to shoot myself. And next, oh. you know, <laughs> RJ calls. I'm like, man. RJ, RJ, RJ never wants you to shoot yourself. RJ will never let you shoot yourself. Yes. Oh my goodness. Speaking in third person. Yeah. He, uh, that's what, that's, that's, that's who I found. I found him. He was coming through, and I was like, nah, man, come up. So, yeah, that's how I remember them, him, Spencer, and Bobby. Yes. But it's weird when people get older, because I'm just like, man, because people are like, Jerry, you look the same. I was like, that's just a beard. But if you're really small, and now you're completely big, I'm like, what? Yes, it threw me off. I was like, I do not know you. Like, And I, we were also, like, freshmen, so I just did not really know anyone. And so right. I'm like, there's, I'm, like, knew I was just naive enough that like I know everyone that I know you know what I mean at that time but so too funny we're at the point where we're graduating so you're you're fully so when do you become the head event coordinator planner when does that happen um so my um junior and senior year I in college, I was able to be uh, a director level for the student government. So I was the director of activities um, my junior year, and that was just very foundational for me really learning the ins and outs of um, putting on an event because you did had to do everything. Like I would have to put in a work order to make sure that the sprinklers wouldn't go off during our concert, you know what I mean? So you just literally had to think of everything and had to be the one to coordinate that. And so that was really awesome. And it was also awesome because I just had, my budget was to provide entertainment for people um, on campus. So that was really nice. That I didn't have like 
have to make money or anything like that. So that was very foundational. And then my senior year is the director of special events. And in that role, um, I had to make money because it's the only like, it was the only role within the student government at the time that was able to be profitable. So that was a little bit more challenging, but then I didn't have the added work of having to do everything because now it was like more professional. So there is a team of people. So whenever we'd have a concert, it, I was working with a bunch of adults who this was their full-time job to put on events at the university. So that was also very helpful. And um, throughout that time, I was also continuing my work with Mother Hubbard, who in 96 retired from working at the university and just continued her mentorship for um, the special events department and the student government. And uh, really just anything I wanted to do or wanted to learn more about, she would find a way to offer me those opportunities to um, like dive deeper. So that was a lot of fun because I went to a lot of conferences with her, put on scholarship, like did, um, she's really big at putting scholarships into the universities that she has concerts at. So we would put on these concerts in order to create an endowment for um, the university that the concert was being held at. And in turn give it to a student of that would kind of have some kind of tie-in so for example when we did Brooks and Dunn we did a scholarship for the rodeo team and um, then other people just kind of like along the way like teachers and because like maybe that artist's parent like their mother was a teacher or something like that so finding I don't know something that the artist's had a connection to and then being able to provide a scholarship in their name utilizing the funds that were generated from ticket sales for that concert so that was really really cool and then by the time how you just how your career kind of just like drove you right into you know what i mean like you were driving you kind of went on a like you drove on one of them uh i'm trying to think of a, a reference a florida georgia line you kind of just yeah. had this great line of just like you hit the yeah. and you keep going that's kind of amazing how it happened that way yeah, very, like, I feel like life's not always linear, but I feel like my kind of career has been to an extent, because again, this is something that you don't hear that is a job, you know, um, and then especially like in college, I don't, it wasn't like advertised that it was a job, I just was found kind of through happenstance found out that I could get paid to do that. So I was like, let me make this happen. So then I graduated in 2011. Nobody was really hiring um, because of the 2008 recession. Like, I feel like every, it was always like, oh, there, somebody in that office's cousin's son gets hired for that role type right. of deal. So it was a lot more of that kind of situation in the entertainment industry is like every other industry and you it's who you know so i just hustled i felt like i met with anybody who would meet with me to do like um like job interviews meaning like i was interviewing them about their job and kind of how were how they got to where they were 
and would always end with like, if there's somebody else that you think I should meet with, would you mind introducing me, whatever. So just really hustled and still wasn't able to get a job. So when I had to went back to grad school and then through Mother Hubbard's guidance and also just kind of being, having the mentality, like if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it kind of like my way. So I was able to get approval to have a emphasis in special events. And it was blessed by the like hotel restaurant and tour management department to have an independent study. So that way I could actually have that as part of my degree. And then my master's is in communication studies and they were very kind and they were like, if this is what you want to do, um, do it. And they also allowed me to study in things that interest me. So um, communication as it pertains to advertising and psychology versus being too like research based and um, trying to, cause I feel like sometimes in grad school, the trajectory is okay, become a doctorate. So then you can go into research. Right. So um, they were kind enough to just let me do my thing. So it was really nice. So how do we get to Texas then? What, what prompts you to say, F it, let's go to Texas. Let's go down. My. Or let's go left. Is it right? Yes. Yeah. Let's uh, go it's east. Yeah. East. So yeah, you can go left. I mean, let's go right. Yes. <laughs> um, my um, job like that I was doing. So I worked with Mother Hubbard and then the um, director of special events for New Mexico State he, Mother Hubbard, and I, and I feel like we still kind of have this dynamic of um, being, they treated me very much like a team and very much like we're, we're going to get you set up for what's next for Ginny. And so um, Scott, his name is Scott, and he came across this job in Cedar Park, Texas, and was like, I think you could do this job, and showed it to me, and I was like, I think I could do this job. He's like, I know the guy who's hiring this position. Let me call him. So he had previously worked with him at his capacity at Michigan State. So he, um, in the special events and kind of music industry, so he gave me an interview and they, um, him and the marketing manager at the time were just like, we know Mother Hubbard's reputation. We, you know, trust Scott because he's giving you a good recommendation and we want to see what you can do if you can be out here and like basically by the end of the month the job's yours so that's Ooh. what I made happen look at God look at God seriously so we talked about this right you're in Texas you're working you know is this when Laura moves in with you so Laura moved in I think I was already in um had been in Austin um, so Cedar Park is a suburb of Austin. So I was living yeah, in Austin. Hipsterville. That's what we call it. Hip city. Yes. Yeah. And working in Cedar Park, which was nice for driving, uh, cause I was going against traffic and Alora moved in my, after I'd already been there a year. So she had said like, she wasn't quite sure what she wanted to do next. She was interested in physical therapy. And then, um, wasn't sure where she wanted to go to school. So she looked into this private school in Austin and I was like, come and then you could be my roommate. So 
she ended up, so it was awesome. So she ended up coming to go to grad school and we had another one of uh, my friends from Austin live with us too. So it was the three of us in this like nice townhome, two story, uh, four bedroom, two and a half bath townhome in Austin. And we loved it. It was so much fun. We lived together for about two and a half years. It's kind of like boy meets world a little bit. <laughs> in what way? It's crazy how like the people in your life, they come in and they keep coming back. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Shout out to Boy Meets World, Corey Matthews. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. That's amazing. That's, that's yeah. dope. I was just like, how you know how friends are just intertwining, you know? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about this earlier. So being a career driven woman, right? Being a career driven woman, a goal driven, do you find that for guys to be intimidated? Because you're dating now, but before you were dating, what's it like being a single career woman in the great state of Texas? It was a lot of fun because obviously I'm in a um, position that who like doesn't want to go to concerts, you know, oh, yeah. and so I'd always have the hookup to concerts. And I always kind of thought like, oh, I want to be somebody who's like so into music that I know I'm so into music. And <laughs> <laughs> You know, just like naive things when you're 20. And uh, I kind of found out like, okay, they don't, the person doesn't have to be into music as much as I am, but it was always like fun because there's always something to do. And in Austin to like dating in Austin was just unreal since there's so many things to do. Like it was, it was a lot of fun, but also just like really random, like going canoeing, going um, rollerblading, <laughs> like doing all of these things that are more than just like dinner in a movie or dinner and drinks or what have you. So, and it was, and I moved to Austin right as like online dating became big through apps. Right. So I wanted to ask you, how does that transition? Because you're going from being in the wild to a different type of wild um it was i feel like from my experience in dating through like bumble it allowed for kind of like more structure i guess mm -hmm. and you actually like went on dates and it seemed somewhat a little bit more formal and again that was like very early days of bumble and then any um guy that i met like outside of dating or like excuse me outside of like an app i ended up actually dating longer which is kind of funny but i feel like they also were worse off for me so <laughs> there's like that component too and um it's kind of yeah. like you get all the information first though right you get to like you could just see what the person is you know kind of yeah yeah. What happened before when online dating happened, I was out of the game. But when I saw yeah, people. I was wondering, was, like, how did you and your lady meet? I know that this podcast is not about you. No, no. Like, F it. It's two friends talking, you know? This would be good for our grandkids. Um, we met at Disney World. <laughs> oh, because oh, you guys are both working there at the time? We're working there. And, uh, you know, I quoted Juvenile and said, Can a player from the Know You get a chance with it? And. Um, <laughs> No, I was, uh, so I used to be at the, so they had different, like different parts of different companies when we were doing our internship and I was like on a boat and then I forgot to tie the boat. So the boat was drifting away as these people were trying to walk on the boat. So oh, 
No one knew. No one knew. Just, you know, old Southern people like, this boat is really rocky. Golly. <laughs> the, wind, the wind is really blowing out here. So, so the Disney, the, co- the corporation is like, everyone's trying to climb up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I went to Orlando because that's, I met all these comedians from Orlando. And I was like, these are all the funny people are. So I have to go there. So I was like, I'll just work at Disney and finesse and find which career I want to go to. I don't know if I want to like teach. I knew what I had to do, but stand up. I know it's a long game thing. So they pretty much bring me in there. And this guy, he snitches on me. He goes, Jared didn't tie the boat right. And it was very unsafe. And that's the biggest key of Disney is like safety. So they bring, they bring me inside this room and uh, they, just, they put you in like Disney jail. First they, uh, <laughs> first they give you like a court case. It's like a little court case you have to go to. And when they fire people, they take them to SunTrust Bank. They don't want to fire them on the property because it's a happy place. So you go to this off bank and like Mickey's waving goodbye when you walk in. When you, oh walk my in. Gosh. you walk inside there. And uh, like they read my case and I was like, I, I used every, I used every minority trick in the book. I said, as a gay, black, transgender oh. male, I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I used every minority thing. I said, I made a mistake. My whole life has been a mistake. I don't know if I could ever move on. This company has made a mistake. And I tied it all together and they brought me in there. It was like, it's very compelling. We know you made a mistake. But what they do is they call it Disney jail because on your application, you write what you will not do. And what I said I will not do is ever work in a kitchen. And that's what they put me inside a kitchen. Oh, gosh. Okay. Which was perfect because I shaved my beard at the time. And I finally, it grew back because nobody cared what you look like in the kitchen. <laughs> but when I got to the kitchen, that's where all the prettiest girls were, all the, all the international and beautiful women. Because when you're looking at food, you want to be around pretty people. So it's nothing but like hot people back there and then we crossed paths and uh, I was I introduced my name is like uh, I think I told her my name was Sasha that was my love name at the time oh, and uh, <laughs> and then we met and then we met at a party and she was trying to introduce me to one of her girlfriends and uh, she turned around and started dancing and then I just hopped on behind it soon as yeah music soon as I hopped on behind it and I passed her my phone and she goes what do you want me to do with this and I was like never mind I don't want your number anymore and then I walked off and uh yeah this is just typical nala simba stuff yes and yeah then we met back at the job and she's like hey we're going out would you like to do it? I was like, well i don't have your phone number so i can't get in contact with you and then she goes you want to take it down i said no you can find mine and uh, <laughs> true story i happened to be walking got a number from a strange number and i said domino we got it we're in game now <laughs> And then our first date, we went to watch the Avengers. We watched the Avengers and the matinee. And after that, she never been to like this. She worked there, but she never like went to like Disney. So we went around the whole park. That's how we Aww, met. That's fun. Yeah. And then the date was at Disneyland. So I'm all about callbacks. I'm all about callbacks. Something has to be memorable and I have to call it back to like something so you could like forget about the moment and bring it back together. There you go. But my friends are now on Bumble. A lot of my friends who got married are now divorced and they're back in the game and they're telling me <laughs> okay. like, dude, it's so easy. Only thing you got to do is swipe and someone swipes you back. <laughs> but I'm curious, but I'm curious what's it like as a woman, you know, because yeah, because you have an interesting job. So for someone to date you, they have to be interesting, you know, because it could be boring if someone's into what you're into because you're around music all the time. Yeah, and so I feel like I got kind of, like, I dated the guy that was, like, super into music, but he also had, like, his own kind of 
um, alcohol and addiction issues. So I'm like, okay, yeah, no. And then uh, to the side. And then dated, you know, the like lawyer who is really honed in on where they're going next. You know what I mean? Like very career driven. And so I was like, I want to be somebody who's career driven. And then, um, then also like dated the guy who's like more like live in the moment. You know what I mean? So it just, I feel like I just kind of was trying to figure out not necessarily like what my type was, but also kind of like what my type wasn't to an extent. And also I was, um, I always joke because my mom would always tell Alora and I that we are so dramatic because we're like, we're our only friends who are single, like being sad girls about it. And I was like, no, you just can't be the only ones. And we're like listing off all of our like good friends in Austin. We're like literally, yeah. And so I feel like once I stopped trying to be where my friends are at in their lives, mm-hmm. it became way more fun. So I just kind of treated dating like, hey, if this works out, great. If not, like, at least we had fun in the meantime. And like I said, like, we do fun things, like go kayaking, go rollerblading, like, do walks around um, the Ladybird Lake, which is just this massive portion of the Colorado River that they have turned into a lake in Austin, like just all kinds of stuff, go to concerts. So once it became just kind of more fun and for whatever reason, you know, it didn't work out. Um, but it led me. Do you me- have an Oracle? No. <laughs> let me break down. Let me break down what I say Oracle, right? So when my friends date, they usually run it by me to get my personal. Oh, okay. What yeah. the female is like. What is, who is in your Oracle where you say, I've met a guy and they give you their opinion. Who are those gals that's like, "Uh uh-uh, not it. I definitely, Desiree and my other best friend, Sandra. And Desiree, like, I feel like is always in a serious relationship. But when I first moved to Austin, she wasn't actually, she wasn't dating anyone at the time yet. But, um, and that was like kind of right before she met her now husband but she I feel like was always a good like kind of sounding board and then also like my friend Sandra is the person is the friend that you like send the screenshots to like oh my god what do I say next (laughs) (laughs) I always knew I was I was like I wonder who's reading my oracle because I would say something I was like I said who has these screenshots of what I've said (laughs) 100% and just like random things too. Some guy, some, oh gosh, so many things and so many like just terrible kind of dating experiences. Like I had, um, sorry, Chase, again, the dog. Uh, we got three guests on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like just a little bit of like everything and even just like weird things that guys do. Like thankfully I didn't get any like bad pictures or anything but I did get like a guy that I literally told him I am not the woman for you please stop like <laughs> contact me and then get like a shirtless photo of him and being like I miss you well okay I've never seen you with your shirt off in real life or ever and I don't want to like please stop and I just said no 
please stop contacting me. Just like random things. And so my friends like loved it because again, I was like the single person that was going through all of these like dating things that um, like just dating kind of like some mishaps and some like fun stuff. So it was funny to watch and to be a part of. And I'm sure at times my friends are like glad that that's you. I'm in this serious relationship. Don't have to be worrying about all of these um, guys and apps and all, all that these scrubs. Stuff. Yes, definitely scrubs. So, so as you get older, right? So now dating is deep. I feel, do you feel like dating is more serious, right? Like I feel like 27 and up, the time is doubled. Yes. Soon as me and my lady hit 27, that's when people are like, well, I mean, what you waiting on? I said, oh, freak. All right. Then, yeah, you have the, like, society pressure, too, that I feel like yeah. is is hard. And now, as I feel like we kind of, like, learn more, I've had um, friends who've gone through, like, a lot of, like, infertility issues. And so mm. then being married for two to three years and then being pressured to like have a baby and like what's next what's next so I try not to be that individual to like anyone and um I feel like that's part of it too and so when people ask about like JT and I'm like we are both like feel like in really good places really happy and like it so just let's, feels- let's back that up so let's talk about JT JT if you don't know I'm gonna put that in the bonus part JT is her boyfriend uh we just met JT so you met him on Bumble. So walk us through the way you slid in his DMs. Walk us through that. <laughs> um, I had like probably been in Midland like a year and a half. And like, um, and I shared with Jared that a lot of my friends here in Midland had just lit any guy that was single was trying to like set me up with them. And I'm like, I cannot, let me just take this into my own hands so I was like okay I'll give Bumble a try and I didn't actually JT is the first guy I went on a date with in Midland so I wasn't really dating I was just being more kind of like okay we'll just see how things go so I obviously I was very where was the first date at where'd y'all go we went to a local place called Bean and Grape so they do coffee in the morning and wine in the evenings and they have like charcuterie boards and just kind of more, like I feel like appetizer type food. Um, and that's a place that I really like. So I was like, let's, and he had never been there. So I wanted to go there cause I knew I'd feel comfortable there since I'd been there often. And um, I was just trying to, yeah, I just very nervous. nervous. Yeah. Cause I just didn't know what to expect. And um, whenever I was like, okay, I'll sit in the front <laughs> of the restaurant. So that way you can like see me and it not be like too awkward. And lo and behold, the waitress came and literally spelt, spilled an entire glass of water on me and the chair I was on. I was like, and then JT walks in and I was like, hi. <laughs> so, he was like already drawn to like the commotion that was happening. And then um, once the waitress left, I like, I went in to give him a handshake and he went in to give me a hug. And so that was just kind of awkward. So I just went ahead and I was like, okay, I guess I'm hugging him. And so. <laughs> then, you guys know you guys bonded over Trey songs? Oh, which Trey Song song are you thinking Reach of? Reach for the handshake, got a hug. 
Bottles of the gum, dum, ba da dum, That's the lyric that I know about. Reach for the handshake, got a hug. <laughs> what was the oh. date? Was he charming? He was sweet? Did he have that big mustache? He did not have mustache. So mustache is uh, courtesy, of, courtesy of quarantine. So um, he... It was like an undercover cop at like a, the Houston Astro Stadium. Yes, I know. It's just funny because like even his sister's like, I can't believe that you have that. And then be like, it, yeah, I'm like, I don't really think it's that, I don't think it's that bad. Like, I don't know. But uh, he, yeah, he was at a job at the time where he was the engineer for um, for a company. And so it required him to be on call. So the guys who are actually like on the rig, if so JT would essentially kind of map out, this is how things should be happening. So if they like didn't, they didn't occur that way in real life, they would call him and be like, hey man, this isn't working. What do we do? What do you want us to do, essentially? And so he'd have to kind of like troubleshoot with them. So he was taking phone calls. Oh, dang it. No, nah, no, nah, keep going, keep going. I like when the dog talks. Shout out to the dog. He probably is happy that about y'all meeting. The JT's moving outside, so he's like, there must be something that I need to do outside to attack the lawnmower. But, uh, so yeah, so he's taking phone calls during our date, and I was just like, uh, oh, what? Freak. Yeah, and so I just was thinking, okay, whatever, you know, let's just like kind of get through the date. And I liked the conversation, and he seemed nice, and, um, I feel like he has just a very comfortable way about him. Like um, after meeting him, my nervousness kind of went down uh, more quick, quickly in the way that he just kind of like disarms you as far as like just creating a comfortable space. So I like told him, uh, he said something like, oh, you know, my name is JT or whatever. And I was like, oh, is your name JTT? And in my brain because I was thinking Jonathan Taylor <laughs> in my brain I'm like why did I say that so he was like yeah actually kind of and I because on Bumble you don't know their last names and so I didn't realize that his last name started with the T and then I was like oh is your middle name Taylor and I'm like again why would I be saying that so like all of these things are happening that I feel like I'm definitely usually more composed and <laughs> he yeah so he was like no my first name's jonathan i was like oh okay glad we cleared that up <laughs> and in my brain i'm like uh oh, why why is he older yeah. no he's younger he's my brother's age so he's a year and a half younger than me it's not that bad that's that's mad young yeah like so uh, it's nice and it's funny because I don't really feel and kind of going back to your point of once you hit 27 it just is a different way about dating and I kind of feel like once you're at that point you can kind of be in a more mature relationship to an extent if you had not previously been at that level right. so I feel like 
with him, I don't really think about him as being younger, but there are times where he'll say, man, this was a jam in elementary school. And I'm like, no, that wasn't. You were in middle school. Stop making, <laughs> I'll say something like, oh, this was like, this song was amazing in yeah, freshman year. And he's like, yeah, when I was in elementary school, I'm like, don't. <laughs> so. How's, uh, how's, how's it with the family? The family acceptance? Yeah, so my mom um, actually spent three weeks with us recently. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so, she's, so she came to visit for an extended stay, and um, she had previously met him because he came for, um, we went down to, or we went up to Kansas for Labor Day. We also went for Christmas, and then we, um, and then, yeah, so she had, seen interacted with him twice previously but she's just like he's just really nice and just takes care of you and you guys have a good partnership That's so nice. she like really really enjoys him and all of my friends and it's just nice because it's um and I know you know how it goes you're just like in this almost like euphoric state with how you feel about someone and it just things are just easy and that's the thing too when people ask like what's next or what do you guys want to have next or whatever um i just feel so content for the first time in a relationship that i'm not trying to get to that next level and i feel like in previous relationships i just tried to get it to this point that i thought we needed to be per our you know age and what my friends were it, to match what my friends were in their relationships. And I realized like, I don't feel that need. I just feel like we get each other um, and we're there for each other. And I just feel like so much love and admiration for another human. That's just very, just very weird to be in that state. I see you get it. You're over here blushing. I love it. I yeah. love, I love, you know, I, me, I love love, man. Yes, you, you do. You can catch love. me scrolling. I'll see somebody's pictures and be like, heart, heart, heart. I was like, oh, freak. I feel <laughs> <laughs> down, down, <laughs> right. If I see anybody, anybody that I know that's like, I was like, look how beautiful her husband is. Freak, let me like this picture right here. I love it, yes. man. I'm like, I feel like Instagram is like, like little movies about my friends even though i might not do anything i was like ah oh, man look at this movie i just watched look at this yes, right? yeah cool so yeah i love that i love that we are at the point in life where we get to we're so into in ourselves you know i feel like our parents were more like they grew up completely different i was like most millennials are like we are so in tune of understanding ourselves like we can have different conversations like adult conversations you know i've been i've been exploring myself i've been apologizing to people that deserved apologies from i'm sitting like man what the freak jared waters i didn't even know you did that then when i sit in there the more i get around especially like women of my age when they start telling me about all these stories of like scrubs they've been through i said man maybe i need to make a phone call freak i guess i was a scrub. <laughs> <laughs> let me go ahead and make an apology call if i was a scrub to somebody oh gosh yeah, yeah no. i feel like you i yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to add that I feel like my perception of you um, growing up was always like one of the good guys, you know, and though some of your friends were scrubs, then <laughs> I would not put you in that category. I feel like 
you knew that like money would call them out for being a scrub if they were on that trajectory. You know, the funny thing is, is that most of the guys who are calling the other guys out is probably the guy with the biggest, is the biggest, with the, with the is one other, it's like every dog knows how to call out another dog, you know? Touche, touche, yeah. I say, I say every man's a dog. It just depends what breed you're dealing with. You know what I mean? There you go, yeah. Most shepherd dogs are very good protecting other shepherd dogs, but inside it's like, whoa, this shepherd dog is very aggressive when he's at home. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I've been I've been I've been exploring that. I think I wrote I wrote I, I had this um I had this thought that I wrote. I was talking to somebody and the question is if your ex had to write a story about you, how would you be perceived in that story? Interesting. Did you and I this is another part where I just like love listening to your podcast cuz I'm always like who is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> And there's been some like conversations that I'm like calling people. I'm like, do you remember? Am I remembering this right? I think it's like three. I don't think I I think I had one serious, serious relationship (laughs) in Yakota. Everything Mm -hmm. else is just like, yeah, I don't, they don't. Yeah, we, we weren't together together. We was hanging. We had a good time. Everybody knows we had a good time. We had a great time, you know? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) my lady knows like when, which I think when we ran into Lysel, she was just like, she goes, you have a, so she's like, I was like, it's every person. I was like, you can't build chemistry with people. I was like, these people that I've met throughout the world. I was like, I generally love every person. It doesn't matter if I had one conversation, two conversations with them. So I'm like, no, I freaking love them. I'll call in and be like, hey, what up? Hey, hey. So it's always that respect. I used to tell Shamar this. I was like, she is married with the child. You just can't hit her up and say that. Why not? I'm just saying, hey, baby. That's all. <laughs> That's all I'm just saying, hey, baby. It was, uh, so he, I think he was the one, so this podcast was kind of inspired by all of our conversations we had. So when we would talk, we would talk for like three hours, four hours long and stuff like that. And everybody he would ask about, and he goes, I said, why don't you just ask? And he goes like, I'm trying, nobody's reaching out. So when we had, so now I was like, I got a platform where now I was like, man, imagine if I recorded all these conversations with him that I have. Cause when I tell people these stories, a lot of people don't believe it when I was like, no, only Garrett can witness and my brother can say, no, these things happen. These things, yeah, yeah. These things legitimately happen. I remember, uh, I don't want to, that's, I always go down this road. I remember it was Ashley Patterson, right? Like I never thought I would ever cross paths with her, but it was Ashley Patterson that let me FaceTime with Dana like two days before she died. So it was just like sitting there and like we blew each other kisses and stuff like that and everything else. And I was like, who would have thought the I would meet back with her in this situation and everything else? Because it was, I forgot who it was. Because when Dana, when she first started getting hurt, she had this uh, hip, a hip. So she was walking like a pirate. So we didn't know she was sick. So the whole time we're just roasting her downtown and <laughs> downtown in Tampa. And she goes, I'm trying to actively date. I said, well, if you don't get a bird, people are not going to know that you're a pirate. <laughs> yes, I feel like every, it's so funny because I feel like that's also some of the things that I like think of when I think of Yakota is like how people would like clown on others and like the things that they would say <laughs> would not go over Oh, we were just, we were just ro- literally roasting, roasting yes. each other. But I think it was Le- Leroy when he told me, he would go, you were always nice to me. And like, I guess I never thought about him 
being a gay man, what are the things he was going through? I was like, you're just a cool dude. And he goes, you're always nice and you weren't homophobic. You weren't this. I was like, oh, dang, thanks, man. I didn't even think of it like that. I just thought you were, you could run fast and do hair. You know what I mean? I didn't think it was everyone's own struggles that they're going through and stuff like that. Right. So we've reached the point of the podcast where we got an idea. Your grandkids got an idea of what you're going through in 2020. These are the hilltop questions. You've heard of it, right? You can answer these questions however you want to. You can take your time. You can, it could be short answer. It could be long answer, however you want. Are you ready, madam? Yes. All right. The first question is, do you believe in God? Yes. You do believe in God? Who was your favorite person in the Bible? I am not very familiar with um, biblical stories. I feel because I grew up Catholic, oh. but in I feel like in components. Because um, initially, when we were in Kansas, we didn't go to church often, and then uh, once we moved to Yakota again, just kind of like more wanting to do what everybody wants to do. And so like Desiree's Catholic, Galore's Catholic, and and like um, Christine and Carla were Catholic. So we'd all go to church together Saturday nights. And oh, right. We're like, man, we wish we could go Saturday night. Man, they get yeah. out early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have to like get up early. So that was like fun. And that's when I kind of um, started getting more into uh my faith and then ended up not actually like getting confirmed until I was in college because mm. once we moved to um Albuquerque I found some friends to go to church with but didn't necessarily get active in the church and then um post-college it's been more um spiritual in terms of like organized religion, um, going to like a Unitarian church. So I say, we don't always have to think the same, but we love the same right. and, and for kind of guiding principles. And so I found a lot of comfort in that structure of church. I think that I, my lady, she's Catholic too. And I said that the best thing to have in this pandemic is just like, you don't got to go to church. You know what I mean? It's good to go. Church is really more for fellowship and to be with other people, but church is really, it's, in, it's inside you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like it when you said that. It's like, it's really, well, that's my opinion. You know, here we go. Next question. When's the last time you had a nightmare? Ooh, um, I, I feel like right as I kind of started going back to work, um, we were at stay-at-home orders through the end of April and then started going back to work in May. So, like, early May, I had, like, just a string of nightmares. And it was mostly, I think, you know, just kind of adjusting and partially trying to gain control into something that was, like, uncontrollable because I feel like in a pandemic when you're in your house, you have control of your surroundings but then now you're trying to enter back into mm. the world and interact with others and also maintain a level of safety and kind of groundedness about okay we're in a pandemic and act accordingly when's the last time you had a panic attack 
thankfully I haven't really ever experienced a panic panic attack. I feel like um, anytime that I just get more overwhelmed, it's more, um, yeah, not like, not quite panic, more just like anxiety that I'm able to, typically I call my mom and she's like really good at calming me down. <laughs> hmm. What is your biggest fear on this earth? Yeah, I've heard you ask other people and <laughs> I have thought about my response. And I, I mean, I don't really know. I think that I live my life in a manner that I try to um, like be, be nice through love to everyone that I come in contact with. Right. Um, and so I feel good about all of my relationships and I, and like I said, I've done a lot of work to kind of bring about that internal piece for myself. Um, I feel like there's still more for me to do. Um, and I used to think what my biggest fear, I guess, was, and this is like just I'm already judging myself for this response, but uh, I used to fear like not knowing what love is. Mm. And then now that I've experienced that with JT, I just feel like complete, but I also feel like there's more to life. And, but that was a big fear for a, a long time. No, well, you're not the, a lot of people say that. A lot of people say that's their biggest fear. These are those unreleased episodes I have. A lot of people say that's their biggest fear. Just love not understanding love or being alone which i mean i totally understand why because i'm like i can public speak i don't like i'm not afraid of death but i also am not like welcoming death and <laughs> like term you know what i mean so but yeah i feel like not experiencing love used to be what it is and now i just think it's i feel like I just tried to, and I've been working on meditating more. And so mm -hmm. just trying to um, live intentionally with gratitude and love. Do you believe in soulmates? I like, yes and no, because I feel like you, and I've seen this through others' experiences, not my personal experience, but that you can fall in love with people and feel this level of soulmates. Um, but I feel like I want to look at my relationships as more of a partnership. So we enhance each other, but we're still individuals outside of one another. So that way we always feel purpose and not that the purpose is each other type of deal because I just don't yeah because I feel like I just want to look at it as like yeah life partners versus soulmates but I do also feel like there is a level of fate when it comes to yeah, finding yeah. yeah someone that you really just connect with and you really just feel so um content in the most like perfect way that you don't want to rush because every day just feels so special this is a new question, but listening to your life story, what does friendship mean to you? 
because I noticed you have a lot of strong friends around you and you're so loved. But what does friendship mean? To, what does your friendships mean to you? How does it impact you? I feel like friendships are just everything because um, being especially growing up in Yakota, like your friends became your family. So at, for holidays, we like my immediate family, my mom, my brother and I would go to Desiree's house for Christmas because it wasn't something that was like financially affordable for us to just go back um, more than once a year, go, go back to the States. And then also same with like Allure's family. Allure's, we've, yeah, spent Thanksgiving together. We would travel together. Our families traveled together. And so they just became your family overseas. And my um, mom's family, um, they are more like kind of like close knit within their immediate family. Mm -hmm. And so it's, but at the same time, like everybody is there for each other. So if you need somebody, you just pick up the phone. And so um, there's, yeah, just the way that I picture the definition of family, I think of my friends and their parents and what they've, yeah, and their, I guess, um, influence and love and support in my life. And so I'm just, yeah, beyond thankful. And yeah, it looks, seems like you've been surrounded by love your whole life. It seems like that's an amazing how you can never really feel alone. Some people can't feel alone and yeah. a lot of love, but it seems like there's, you were like a tornado full of love. You were like, <laughs> you ever watched the Twister movie? Remember the Twister movie? Yes. Yeah. You're like that cow and there's like love surrounding you, like swirling around you. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I just, I feel it. And I know that when there are times when I do feel maybe sad or alone that I, I will literally like shoot people a text or just pick up the phone in my close circle and just like, Hey, I'm not feeling a hundred today. Can we just talk and not necessarily about me, but let me hear what's going on in your life. And so I'm just grateful for that and like I said I just really try to live especially now in my life just like live very intentionally with gratitude and love all right you know this question this question is called who are you right the whole goal is to go beyond yourself yeah. right? so <laughs> you heard you probably have a little more cheat codes because you listen to how it goes but you can go until you say stop so the question is who are you you're going to say your name then after that the goal is to go beyond who you are so when your grandkids have this footage, they're going to wonder, like, my grandmother was this, but she was also this. Mm -hmm. All right, you ready? Yes. All right, who are you? Ginny. Who are you? A creative. Who are you? A friend. Who and are you? A um, daughter, a sister, who a life partner. Who are you? A human. Who are a, you? Um, I feel like just, a, yeah, a lover, like in a broad sense as far as loving love as well. We're going to do this in 10 more years or whenever. And the, the whole goal is everyone changes. You know what I mean? Like there's different time capsules you can do. 
if somebody was writing the Jenny Von Doren story, right? And someone had a book and they handed you this book and they said, this is Jenny's story. What would you want them to know about you? What would you want them to say about you when it's all said and done? Um, I always think of the quote, and I don't quite remember who said it, but I, and I think it was Maya Angelou, but the quote that is, they may not remember what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So my hope is that the people that I come in contact with, that they feel um, love, heard, and seen. And so part of that too is being a listener because I think that that's a hard thing too because again, kind of going to your point, millennials looking more in being more in tune with themselves, I feel like it's a society um, kind of function that we are also more into ourselves. And so being able to listen and provide a validation of, I hear you and I see you and you are important. So that is the legacy that I hope to live for myself. and. Um, be able to laugh, travel, and meet others along that journey. Adam, it has been a pleasure crossing paths with you. Thank you for being a wonderful friend. I'm going to do better, you know what I mean? I'm going to do better in reaching out. Usually I'm just always just laughing at people's things, but I'm going to just keep reaching out. Thank you for doing this podcast. How can the people find you? Is there anything you would like to promote? Anything else? Um, not at this Point, we're going to promote the, the Al-Anon. Al-Anon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if even it's definitely like with anything, I've seen it help people with um, who are in relationships where the their partner may even be addicted to Adderall. So it's like something that seems like, oh, you can't be addicted to that. You know what I mean? But you, mm-hmm. But you actually can be. And so just there's so many ways that it's helped um, provide me with tools to better understand myself, to process relationships, and also maintain healthy boundaries. So, so yes, yeah, if you... We're going to drop that. We're going to put the link and I'll double check. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jenny Van Doren. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one man, one tree in a hill. Thank you. Good night. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. Now, this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson. And I see this giant butt. And I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Questlove. So Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy. And they're all sitting at the table. And I walk up to Eddie Murphy. And I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the goat, man. And you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over she wants it private but they're not even together right now so we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months and then i said and i said uh-uh and i'm be the next jamar neighbors yeah. and she was up like i know that's right <laughs> uh ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to the podcast my name is jerry waters and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.